Welcome everybody to episode 38 of the Two on Three podcast, where two of your friends take on three topics in 30 minutes. You should follow us at Two on Three Pod on Twitter. I'm Chris, and much like Hurricane Florence, I'm tremendously big and tremendously wet. You can find me at CD Villa Senora on Twitter, and with me is Ty. I don't. Yeah, I'm. I'm discombobulated. <laughs> your Trump quote. Uh, I'm. I'm keeping it nice and dry over here at at Seatjk. <laughs> That's the best quote. That was the quote of the week. Well, it just immediately brought me back to, well, I don't know if you understand that Puerto Rico is an island surrounded by water, big water. It's hard. You can't just <laughs> Lots drive of water there. Jesus Lots of God. water. Lots of water. Just, every time he says something like this, I was like, who, you know, we're, we're as prepared as anyone's ever been. It's like, it's always the best possible, but right. it's, it's we all best. know it's a bunch of shit. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's the, it's just like this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> about nothing it's the best podcast everyone can tell you it's the best podcast it's a tremendous podcast well one thing i can say for sure is we were not responsible for the death of three thousand puerto ricans that's that's true oh it's only like half a dozen for me how about you i you know just that one guy that one <laughs> <laughs> anyway what are we chatting about today today we're going to talk about the bandit a little retrospective of the great burt reynolds um identifying talent and monetizing that not in a Simon Cowell, maybe in a Simon Cowell way. Uh, we're going to talk about the U.S. Open Serena final because there's, that's a deep well of just weird sports shit. Plus, I have a feeling we're not going to agree. No, we might not. And the OT, I'm going to talk about my kid <laughs> at school. <laughs> much to my, not like, so maybe, much your kid. I mean, this is my kids involved. You know, it's a bit, you know, I don't think anybody well, listens to this podcast. Who, uh, who might uh, who might who might know what the story is? But well, if you um, do, you keep your bad, you keep your goddamn mouth shut. That's right. Do not forward this. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I think it's a I think it's more of a general parenting thing because it's just it's, it's just the challenge of parenting in a modern day in the modern day. Because it wasn't like this when I was a kid. I'll tell you that much for damn sure. Yeah. All right. Yeah. yeah, parents were disengaged. They weren't paying attention <laughs> right. to what's going on, <laughs> right? Or they kind of were in a different way. I don't know. We'll get to it. It's it's, it's puzzling, but It'll be uh, yeah, for you folks who have school age kids or have already raised school age kids, you'll I think you'll probably understand. All right, so let's start off with the passing of the gri- of a legend. The great Burt Reynolds. Now, this is another one of these like deals where you're like, we love Burt Reynolds, and then you look at his IMDb and you're like, what? what? It's, it's not that impressive, other than the fact that his first his first credit is 1958. And this well, is the funny even thing. born. <laughs> this is the thing. This is the thing about it when because Burt Reynolds is 83 years old, right? And no, and in. A, you probably I wouldn't have been able to tell you that he was eighty two years old, eighty two, eighty three years old. It's like probably how old's Burt Reynolds? Like eighty two. He's eighty two. However like, old he weird. was when they did, yeah. However, he's however old he was when they shot uh, um, Boogie Smoky. Nights because no time has passed <laughs> since then. That's the last time, right? <laughs> yeah, I think he's he's essentially the same age as my dad. Yeah, and I never would have guessed that he was the same age as my dad, like all the way through his career, but. Uh, but he's older sort of or younger. The, he's like maybe a year younger than my dad. No, no, no. But your perception. Oh, that he's way younger than my dad. Okay. 
like <laughs> he's brittles. Okay, well, I mean, we're dealing the same thing with Tom Cruise now, right? Sure. Yeah. Sure. But it's a funny thing how they get frozen. You see them as young people, like, in mm-hmm. reruns, and you're like, well, how old is he? Well, he's as old as your dad. You're like, what? How the hell did that happen? <laughs> but the uh, but he's one of the original sort of was a college athlete, and then his sort of athleticism and sort of physicality sort of drove him forward into the movies. Um, a funny thing is he and Lee Corso were teammates at FSU. At Florida State. I think I saw that on game day this last weekend. <laughs> it blew me away. I was like, old-ass Lee Corso and Burt Reynolds were on the same football team? Again, it's that whole skewing of our stars because we see them all the time as young I think people. that's even more true for the, uh, the sort of hyper-masculine type of actor where it's like you know this this paragon of masculinity gets set aside as this specific thing that people are trying to achieve and so that becomes this point that, that's etched in your mind yes this, this version of burt reynolds wearing a leather vest that you're trying to <laughs> right it's like the first Bel- image that comes up when you google image search him too <laughs> like belt buckle the cowboy hat the mustache it always That's screwed me up. The bandit yeah. photo, yeah. The bandit, right? He's the bandit. Yeah. He'll always forever be the bandit to me. And it always screwed me up when a Burt Reynolds movie would come on and he didn't have a mustache. Oh, yeah. Like, when he was young, he did like, uh, you know, there, there, I mean, there's a bunch of appearances, but, you know, you think about The Longest Yard or whatever. It's like, mm-hmm. it's Burt Reynolds. He's got no mustache. You're, it's just, there's always something weird. Weirdly. You never get. <laughs> get well, the leather like, vest is from Deliverance and he has no mustache. <laughs> right. Right. And I remember being just, I was like, I didn't, it's been so long since I've, matter of fact, I'm not certain that I've even seen Deliverance all the way through. Like, I feel like I've just absorbed it through osmosis from the culture. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so here's, so for, again, guys of a certain age, my age, who, who, my first real movie experience with him was Smokey and the Bandit because, you know, I was too young to see most of his other films and his other films are just like kind of rated R. Uh-huh. <laughs> so I was too young to go to those movies, but back in the day, kids, let me take you back in the Wayback Machine when we only had five channels of television. ABC on Sunday nights would show a movie. It was like the ABC Sunday Night Movie, uh-huh. and we would get, you know, like a Clint Eastwood movie every now and again. You know, the Ten Commandments and the Wizard of, you know, like all these other kinds of movies, these older movies. But every now and again, we would get Deliverance. On TV, really? There's a a TV cut. There's a TV cut of Deliverance that they would play every year on ABC Sunday Night Movie. It'd be like Deliverance, and kids like me be staying up and watching it. (laughs) Like, what is going on with this movie? Why are these weird people chasing these dudes around and? What's what? What are they doing to poor Ned Beatty? <laughs> you know, it's just you know, it's what's just, happening? It's just can you imagine my eight, nine, ten-year-old brain trying to absorb what the hell is going on with Deliverance? Because you know, my folks weren't paying attention to what I was watching. They're just like, you got to be in bed at nine. It's like okay, and then this movie comes on, and you're like, okay, I'll just watch. Oh look, these guys are like on a canoe trip. <laughs> <laughs> There's a, so I, I just happen to be looking through some stuff while you're talking about it because I'm trying to refamiliarize my brain with it. There's a movie poster and the tagline is, this is the weekend they didn't play golf. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, no shit. <laughs> <laughs> These poor bastards. But the, uh, but 
Yeah. So, and but we would see things like, um, things like, uh, like semi-tough would be on on that, and the longest yard, and you know these these sort of Burt Reynolds actioners that they would cut for 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 TV, and that's how I knew Burt Reynolds. And then and then of course is you know. Then of course, band the bandit was the thing, mm-hmm. and then after that, I think he just started just making money, right? <laughs> you know, the Cannonball Run, which yeah. is basically just another Smokey the Bandit movie, <laughs> basically, kinda. And I don't really get any Burt Reynolds exposure in my life until like Cannonball Run Two is like the first movie I think maybe I remember watching, and then like I don't know, like I'm looking at the IMDb and. I mean, I don't know, cop and a half. (laughs) 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 Like, it just, he wasn't, he was just already this person that existed in this uh, celebrity magazine world. But for me, wasn't in any way, like, he was like Lonnie Anderson's husband. Right. For me, you know, and this this guy. And then, obviously, as I got older, became more familiar with the au revoir. And, uh, (laughs) you know, and then then he started showing up sort of the second act of his career, right? Where he shows up as, like, the older guy. And, like, I obviously mentioned Boogie Nights, but... You know, he's in like, like the Mystery Alaska movie, and mm-hmm. uh, these these are the movies that obviously in the '90s are much more, you know, what I what I'm experiencing. Yeah. Um, the the best eulogy, or not, I don't know if it's eulogy in this case, when someone just says "R.I.P." basically on the internet, but I I did identify with the um, rest in peace to the mustache that launched a thousand rides. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's a tremendous that's a tremendous salute. To the to the to the great Burt Reynolds, the uh, yeah. So you know he starts working like there's Evening Shade. So he was on TV for a few years being Burt, but that was the funny thing about it. I think at one point he just stops acting and just is Burt all the time. Yeah. Right. Like at some point, at some point actors do that, and of course, being just smirking Burt Reynolds is is funny. I think the I think the Norm Macdonald impression. <laughs> that he does on yeah. on uh, Celebrity Jeopardy pretty much sums up the entire like last half of his life. He's just that guy. Like I don't, I kind of don't care, and uh, I'm here, and that's enough. <laughs> I'm Burt Reynolds. What? It's a funny hat. <laughs> <laughs> Turn Did you know there's Smokey and the Bandit three? There is, and and it's it's uh, it's Jerry Reed is the bandit. And then at some point, Jackie Gleason catches up to him and has a hallucination that it isn't Jerry Reed, but it's actually Burt Reynolds, and Burt Reynolds is in that movie for like three minutes. Oh. It's a, I didn't even know this existed. No. And you know, if we, if we round back to Smoking the Bandit, Smoking the Bandit is as much about um, Jackie Gleason's performance as it is anything. Jackie Gleason is so fucking hilarious in Smoking the Bandit. I mean, he's just off the rails. I mean, it's like, I can just see the directors like, Jackie, just go buck wild. Just <laughs> just lose your mind as much as possible all the time, and it'll be great. And well, he is. I always, he's great. I, and I, I always understood that character to sort of be like the precursor to Boss Hogg. Is that is that an accurate portrayal? I think so. I think Buf- they're Buford T. Justice. Yeah. Is, there's, he's just big, southern, loud, redneck guy. But the whole interaction he has with his son 
and like how he's just pissed off that his son's a wuss. <laughs> it's just it's tremendous. That's the second one though, isn't it? No, that's the that's the first one. Okay. That's the yeah. I don't, again, you, I don't I'm not God, clear enough. Here's the thing. I I don't even know the plot of two. Like, is it just more of the same, hauling shit around? Because I have no idea, to be honest with you. I mean I know the first bandit movie is they're just they're hauling coors. <laughs> they're hauling a truckload of coors beer, you know, from Texarkana. Yes. You know. All the way, and so they just figure the only way to do it is, you know, whatever. We'll just do this thing. And well, he picks up Sally Field, who was going to get married to Buford's daughter, or to son, and then they're chasing him all over the place. Okay, you're right. That's why I can't remember, because now I'm, now you've got me looking at the, like the, the breakdown of the two movies, and obviously both characters are in both movies. It's a true sequel. So yeah. it's it's honestly, it's all together in my mind. I think I've seen both of these movies maybe once, and again, probably not all the way through. So I'm not exactly the... Burt Reynolds Oracle over here. <laughs> but 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 what's funny about it is we all have this we all feel like we're really familiar with Burt Reynolds and we're not. <laughs> like you've like you've literally seen if you're if you're really into Burt Reynolds you've probably seen at most 10% of his work. You think so? I mean that'd be high. I think it's a high guess. Yeah. I mean <laughs> Like I remember as a, as a child, like what I remember is the bearskin rug photo. Right, right, yes, and the uh, <laughs> and you know it's just he's just he was just such a celebrity that that was his career. His career was mostly just being a celebrity. Like the work, the actual acting work, is mostly forgettable. But uh, well, I read that uh, I I got when he passed recently i got sucked into actually a fairly old vanity fair profile like from three years ago because if you i know we're out of time on this but he apparently sold a bunch of this his personal items and it, it made you know it made news at the time okay and so they did a fairly in-depth profile and, and i found out that like he lost a lot of money like he pumped 20 million dollars into like a southern regional restaurant chain <sighs> like just one of these guys that was just people were like how about you invest in this bird he's like sure i've got money and then uh- I'm money. I got money. I'm famous. We'll make this work. Yeah. Just being Burt Reynolds, right? Just the, yeah. Just the caricature shining through, probably. Oh, anyway. All right. Bye, Burt. Bye, Burt. Be cool, we'll buddy. See, we'll see you. We'll see you on the. We'll see you in the movies. Yeah, I saw a cool cartoon of him uh, in the as the bandit jumping the. Is it Trans Am? Yeah. Over the pearly gates. <laughs> <laughs> quality Peter, yeah. yeah saint peter's apoplectic yeah well you know he's the bandit all right so um segment number two we're gonna wrap we're gonna we're gonna slide back into our discussion about minor league baseball tangentially um we we had talked uh several episodes back about how minor league baseball players are basically living in squalor and unless you're bound for the majors and tied to a large bonus you're pretty much screwed yes you know, there's no way. But I came across this article about this guy named Michael Schwimmer, who himself was a failed minor league baseball player. He decided he would, because he understands the game and understands players, starting basically a venture capitalist, a venture capital fund to fund baseball players for a percentage of their future earnings which is basically the, the, the venture capital play. 
you know, in reading the article, you know, if he thinks you've if he thinks you've got a chance to make it in the big leagues, he might he might stake you for, you know, let's call it two hundred thousand dollars for five to ten percent of your future earnings as a big league player. Mm-hmm. Well, this is a really interesting this is a really interesting thing because, you know, if you sign a contract for let's say maybe you make it to the big leagues and maybe you make I don't know what does your average big leaguer make every year if you spend ten years if you spent ten years in the major leagues you'd end up making. I think the veteran minimum is like three million dollars. It might even be more than that now. Right. So let's say as a you know your, your career earnings of three million bucks or thirty million bucks. If you have like an eight to ten year career. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, if you're so good, if you're if you're a starter, if you're an everyday player. The average is four point four million. Um. A year, yeah, and but the minimum is only uh, half a million. Okay, okay. So let's say you become an everyday player. Let's say you make twenty million bucks in a career. Like maybe you have a ten-year sure. career, you make twenty million bucks. Okay, yeah, and yep. if you're like a left-handed one-out reliever, you might even make more than that. Right, right. <laughs> so that's a so baseball's interesting, an interesting thing to to take on because, um, you know, maybe it's there if you could pick out the talent. You know, I mean, so he's so he thinks he can do it. You know, you know, baseball collects more statistics and more information than any other right than any other sport there is. So he thinks he's got it figured to where he can pick a pick a winner here. Well, this concept's been around for a long time, but it's always existed as it's sort of a shady underbelly of sports in the gambling world, right? Staking poker players is not a new idea. Mm-hmm. That uh, that you need a large amount of cash to get into these tournaments where the prizes are big enough for there to be a sizable payout. If you're a talented player, you may be talented, but you may be irresponsible, or you may just you know not. You may have a number of investors, right? I know guys that uh, bought shares in different players. You know, I, I this is something that's been around for a long time. I like this idea that it's applied to baseball. What it makes me want to do is like do this for just regular people. Like if I had the <laughs> capital to identify talent um you you posted a video on twitter of that kid playing um what was it welcome to the no it was sweet, yeah sweet. yeah he's playing sweet child on the drums sweet, yeah but it was like a backwater fil- like a backwater filipino kid playing playing buckets right and i think that there's still you know millions more people like kids like that kid that are never that may never get a chance i mean the internet helps obviously exposure mm-hmm. be like who is this kid he'll probably get to go on a talk show or something that's kind of how they, the world works these days yeah um but we're really bad, I think, about identifying talent, particularly when it's not already in a place of privilege. Um, I think that's like, for instance, what's the problem? One of the big problems with um, American soccer, sure, right, is this inability to to actually capitalize on natural talent because we don't have systems for identifying it. And this model of I'm going to stake you and in, in the development of your career makes a lot more sense to me than individual people like borrowing money to hopefully you know, put together some sort of job, maybe not for everyone, but for the best of the best or the, you know, the, the, what, what appears to be the cream of the crop. This gives you, I think another Avenue to, I, I think all the time. And I sorry, I keep interrupting myself. Cause I'm trying to make the point that I'm getting at, which is I think all the time about how, if I had ever in my life had a moment where I could stop working, like if I could have just had f- three years to focus on something without being concerned about eating Mm-hmm. and paying like, for food and rent and things like that, that right. I think I could have been a lot, had an opportunity to achieve more. And this is that, this is that model. It's my, right. it's my way so, of thinking. So this is the, so instead of, 
you taking on this monster debt. Like, like say, I know that you want to be a, a surgeon, uh-huh. right? You've got the talent. You've got the grades. You've got everything. You need to go to med school. If I say, okay, I'll stake your, you know, you know, we'll do this. We'll do this from a VC standpoint. I'll just take a percentage of, you know, I'll, I'll give you, I'll stake you for 150000 but you, you're going to pay me 10% of all your future earnings. I mean, is that a better deal for that person than actually taking a loan? <laughs> you know, how does the money work? I think that, I think that it's, it's a little hard. You've got to have enough. You've got to think to yourself, well, this surgeon might make millions of dollars as a surgeon or right. a lawyer or, I mean, you're not going to stake somebody to be a software developer. <laughs> you no, know? probably not. You know, you're not going to stake somebody who's going to end up with a, you know, $150,000 a year job. Right. I mean, that's not that's not where the that's not that's not the play. Isn't it the, though? Because if I give you 150 grand up front and then you had a $150,000 a year job of which you owed me 10% annually, I am certainly going to make a lot more money on my investment. Yeah, but that's a bad deal for this person. <laughs> yeah, and I guess like, what at some point I'm idiot. just talking about a scholarship also. <laughs> right. You'd be you'd be you'd be sort of an idiot to sort of take that deal. I mean the 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 whole reason would be I can give you 10% of my money if I'm going to make $7 million a year. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? There's plenty, there's plenty in the pot left for me. So pro sports is the right thing here. The, the pro sports is the right thing. I mean, golf, you could certainly apply this to golf. Right. I mean, that's... that's well, I mean, it could apply to people, but I think, it, I, frankly, I, mean, I find the idea of like modernizing the scholarship infrastructure to be an attractive thing, to make it... I think the hardest part when you're young is the finding out how to get your hands on that money can be tricky. Um, yeah. It's probably easier than I recall it being, but you know, I just remember doing things like a scholarship folder and feeling like, what are we doing? Like, how do I, you know? And then the the guidance counselors are dealing with so many different kids; they're not really concerned about your specific success. So I right. guess I'm just attracted to this idea that it seems like a good business plan if if your talent identification metrics are actually reliable. Right, right. If if you're if you're, let's I, mean, I guess do companies like Facebook or Google or whatever basically do this. Don't they, you know, would they, you know, you, we'll pay off your your loans, <laughs> but you have to come work for us for, you know, X amount of years kind of a thing. Well, I mean, that's what that's what restricted stock is, right? It's that golden handcuff, this idea that here's a bunch of shares that just become yours at no cost to you over time. Mm-hmm. And I don't think they're necessarily offering to pay off loans, but that is essentially what we're talking about. What we're talking about. Uh, yeah, we'll compensate you in this in this way that encourages you that incentivizes you to stay here mm-hmm. um but doesn't really cost us anything if we fire you because you don't vest and then they're gone mm-hmm. so it's sort of this risk-free for the employer yeah so you're so what you're looking for is this talent hawk is mm-hmm. a big payout right somebody who's, sure. whose earning potential is particularly large where where focus on that particular skill at the beginning makes a huge amount of it makes a huge difference right so if i'm a baseball player and i and i'm not bonus baby but i'm good and i'm gonna have a and i think okay you're gonna have a career in the big leagues you know here's here's enough money for you to not worry about this for three years Mm -hmm. and those three years would be invaluable to a to a baseball player who who wanted to work out every day would eat right you know would do all the have all the resources they need 
you know, physical therapists, sports psychologists, whatever they need to, to get them over the hump and get them going, you know, without having to worry about living in a shithole apartment and working a second job and, and dealing with all this, this other terrible stuff that, 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 uh, that minor league baseball players just have to deal with. Yeah, I, for sure. I mean, this idea that then that's what I was getting at about my own experience is this, you know, I didn't have like, like I've said before on the show, I was like, I didn't grow up. I had a modest upbringing. And so that meant that I borrowed money for school and I never had any actual like and there was nothing for me to lean on. Right. There was mm-hmm. it was once I was out the door, it was like, basically, you, you need to be supporting yourself. So I can imagine, you know, we're talking about the minor league baseball player. I think when we talked about it last time it was this idea they were removing wage protection for minor league baseball. Right. Which just was disgusting. And, you know, now that we've talked about this a little bit, I'm sort of disgusted by the whole idea that you're talking about power brokers creating these, like, new new gates, you know, like, gatekeeper points of entry for things. But at the same time, they are enabling players that might not otherwise um, get right. ahead. Well, the thing about the VC part of it is you've, you get more value if you can uncover diamonds in the rough. Right. Right. And that's and that's really what what this guy's looking for. He's looking for a guy who... He's looking for a player he can invest, you know, one hundred fifty thousand, two hundred thousand dollars in and pull two million out of or more. Yeah, but then when you finally get down to it, isn't isn't the model incentivized to find the poorest person with the most talent and give them the least money they'll accept? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> or, or capitalism, just, yay! Well, I mean, depend depending upon what your model is, right? I mean, if your numbers are good, you you know, some sometimes you're going to have to say, you know, or if somebody has enough money, they might just need enough money to get over the hump. Maybe that's a maybe that's a seventy five hundred and fifty thousand dollar investment as opposed to a three hundred thousand dollar investment, right? Yeah. And maybe you're going to take a smaller percentage of their future earnings versus a larger. So. It's an interesting. It's it's an interesting. Uh, it's an interesting article for uh, for those of you who are interested in it. it was in uh, it was in SI. It was in uh, Sports Illustrated. Uh, we'll post the link up in, yeah, the, in, the, in the in the Twitter. All right, here we go. Sports. We're still sticking with the sports. So this was the hot topic. Which unfortunately, I was out on Saturday, so I didn't get to see this live. But I'm sure everybody who saw it live was absolutely horrified by it. But the Serena Williams. U.S. Open final was all the rage. So, so uh, for those of you who didn't see it, uh, it's easily found on the internet. But uh, what happens is a chain of events happening, um, and and uh, an escalate escalating escalating tensions. Um, I don't think that Serena nor the uh, nor the, the the umpire handled it very well. But um, but basically, I don't. I'm not sure that I'm. Not, I think I think it doesn't go wrong until the end. I think everybody's pretty much in their lane to start. So let me let's 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 just break down the chronology. The first piece is there's blatant and obvious coaching from Serena's coach in the box, which is illegal. Now, and it happens all the time. Okay, okay, fair enough. This, but it doesn't not make it illegal. It's like holding Correct. in football. Holding Correct. in football happens on every play. They could throw a flag every play. You've seen the, the hand gesture though, too. I mean, it's it's uh, what blatant. does it mean? Stay it's in your blatant. lane. I mean, no, it is it is it is clearly go move forward. 
Now, mm-hmm. here's the thing. I know I'm Patrick Mugaluru, who's like loves to hear himself talk. I mean, he he thinks he's bulletproof in this whole deal, and I think he just figured, hey, I'm Patrick Mugaluru. <laughs> I'll just do whatever the hell I want, and so he goes ahead and does it. And the ups like, at least you could do is try to hide it. At least, at least have the courtesy to coach from the box subtly. Don't just stand up and give her the move forward sign with your hands, you stupid idiot. And so he says, warning, coaching. That's it. And that's it. That's the first that's the first step, which I at this point, I do not think the umpire Carlos Ramos is is wrong in this case. Okay, I'm, I'm waiting right. for us to get through the chronology. I have I have plenty okay. to say. <laughs> so are we good? So are we good? At, are we good up to this point? Yes. Okay. The second infraction comes a couple just, of games my, later. All I want to clarify there is it's ticky tack. He didn't have to call it, but yes, it's within the rules, and he wasn't out of he wasn't out of line to do so. He didn't have to call it, but that was just blatant. Yes. You can't just be blatant about it. I mean, at least at least you could do is come up with some hand signals before. Like <laughs> if I if I if I put my left hand on the side of my face, right. that means. Or if I sit with my hands on top of my head, that means. Yes. You know what I mean? That's not all just, you have to just. do. <laughs> not just stand up and go move forward, Serena. <laughs> you know what I mean? This is ridiculous. Okay, so the next the next um, so. It's important to know, also know that Serena's getting her ass handed to her at this point by and, Naomi Osaka. Yes. Like, getting just whooped. Yeah. And so, the next thing comes that she loses serve and Kerr smashes her racket on the court. Right. Busting it into one million. By the way, I always love rackets getting smashed on the court because of the string tension. They just crumple like... like They, they yeah. make the most satisfying like jumble of garbage. All right, folds over. Crap. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's it's awesome. So she smashes that racket down. Which again, this is this is the other part. Now at this point, he has to call racket abuse. Correct. That's an actual rule. That's an actual rule. He's handcuffed at this point. He's like point penalty racket abuse. Right. Okay. So this is so that that's not his fault. That's that is a that is just the fact that she lost her mind and now she's in, incurred a point penalty. She knows she has a warning, but now she's gonna walk over to the now now she's gonna walk over to the the ump and read him the riot act, for and this is the part I have a huge problem with, is the fact that she starts saying, "Why is that a point penalty?" Well, it's like, well, you got a warning for coaching, from the box, and then she j- immediately jumps onto this soapbox about. I'm a mother. I wouldn't ever cheat. I have a daughter. Like, what does this have to do with anything, Serena? This is like this is a ridiculous argument. Like, I would never cheat. I'm a role model for millions of people. Like, I don't give a crap. You, your coach was coaching. Go well, yell at him. Right, and that's 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 the thing you want to clarify too. That first point penalty, or that first conduct, or rather, the first conduct violation, mm-hmm. is a code violation is on the coach. It affects the player, but the actual infraction is on the coach. It's not for the player for getting coached. It's on the coach. Who and then Serena's the team. And Serena's comments seem to indicate that she either told the official that she wasn't looking at him when he did it or wasn't seeking out the coaching and so she was saying, I wasn't getting coached, even if he was coaching and then there was some confusion about whether or not he did or did not 
like rescind the code violation and make it a warning. No. It was a code violation, but the first thing you get is a warning. I mean, Serena Williams has been playing tennis for 25 years <laughs> professionally. She knows what a warning is. She sure. gets it. Like, when he announces coaching warning, she knows that's the first violation. She's not dumb. She's, yeah. She gets it. But her immediate, her immediate, her immediate jumping to the fact it's like I didn't even see him coaching. I've never cheated. No one said you cheated, Serena. Like this is where this is where I think this is where we get into that. I'm rich. I'm powerful. I'm accomplished. No one has told me no in the last twenty years of my life. At this point, I'm going to let you have it with both barrels, based on something that has nothing to do with. <laughs> with with the with the actual problem mm-hmm. at this point she's going off on like you're you're questioning my integrity sure and i understand he's that saying, and he's saying no i'm not questioning your integrity i don't care if you saw it or not your coach was coaching you from the box you get a warning you know it's like golfers and caddies if your caddy mm. commits a violation it goes on the player now if you want to kick your coach out of the box you as a player you could just say hey beat it pal you're costing me. You're costing me points here. No, I agree that if Serena had made the right choice, she would have not taken it so personally. She, she, so she takes it way personally, and now she is teeing off, and she won't let it go, and she won't let it go, and this now is where I think the ump has to like make a better decision. Now, yes. my contention is that tennis umpires don't deal with yelling very often. Now they do. Now everybody sent every John McEnroe video and all this other stuff. Like people go off, but I don't think it happens as often as perhaps you think it does. But it does happen. But it's not like baseball umpires. Now baseball umpires. Uh, now this is the this is the argument I was making to my wife as we were talking about it. It's like baseball umpires get it. Like if you're a if you're a manager and you're like pissed off and it's Tuesday night in June. And you say, that's a bunch of BS, dude. And that guy goes, you're out of here. <laughs> He'll ring you up. And he, you, you go, and you just go to, the sh- you go to the locker room. Now, if it's mm-hmm. the seventh game of the a- ALCS, and the ump and the, and the manager is like the eighth inning, and he comes out here, and he reads you, the, and he's yelling at you, as the ump, you would be like, okay, keep yelling. Go ahead. Let's get it out. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? He's, yeah. he's, he's willing to say, I understand the situation. I understand the event we're attending together tonight. I understand what this means to the sport. I will let you have a ton of leash. Just keep going. Correct. Go ahead and let... And this is where I think the ump just doesn't get it. I mean, this is where, this is where the umpire makes a huge mistake by... Just let her... Just, just let her yell. Just let her when get she, it when, out. It, when she stopped yelling and walked away, that should have been the end of everything. Yeah. He shouldn't, he shouldn't wait until she has taken three steps away and turned her back on him <laughs> to then drop the game, the, the third code violation and the game penalty on her. Which is, like, he knows what's going to happen at that point. Frankly, I'm surprised they were able to finish the match. I'm surprised <laughs> she didn't climb up that damn tower and throw him off. <laughs> <laughs> like totally like suplexed him off yeah. the that would have been awesome by the way. Uh, could you imagine if you if that same thing had happened to you and you you you'd said your piece, you never swore at him. Nope. 
Nope. You just got mad. You said, you attack my integrity. I, I hate you. Whatever you say. Yeah. And you're a thief. Like, what she said. Yeah. yeah. Then, you, then you're like, fine. You know what? It's over. I'm done. I'm going to turn around and walk away. And then the dude is like, game penalty. Listen, <laughs> you'd be up on like, you motherfucker. I'm going to kill you. <laughs> I would have. I would have just. I would have I would have climbed up that tower, grabbed him by the neck, and then suplexed him clean off under the court. And that's what's missing for me from a lot of the analysis that takes the sort of rules or rules approach which is the context here is that this is the final of a major one of the the largest events in the sport yeah and you're speaking to and dealing with perhaps the greatest player of the sport of all time right it's not the kind of thing you do unless it's about you because it was the ump show and so i hate the ump show so you described it in baseball. I hate Joe West and you know Angel Hernandez. These guys whose names I know because yeah. they've made these terrible decisions at terrible times that affected the outcome of actual sporting events because they got their ego injured. Right. And it only took me five minutes to find this guy doing ump show shit on like three other matches. <laughs> yeah. And it's yeah. actually a similar. The very first one I came across is very similar, where Djokovic is pissed about a call, and uh, he's like getting ready to serve again. He's still kind of flapping his arms and talking to himself. And then he sort of like motions, like he wants to hit the ball at the chair umpire. Not, but, but I mean, not even like aggressively, just sort of, ah, this, you know, like just this. And and then he stops, goes into his serving motion. And then it's like code violation. (laughs) It's like, he waits, he waits, he's doing it on purpose. Right. So everybody's to blame here. Serena acted way out of school on how to handle the situation. But I immediately come to her defense because, frankly, in the in the climate that we're living in, it does carry more weight. It's just that's how it is, right? This isn't an isolated event for her. She's got a history of behavior, but she's also got a history of, I mean, every time you turn around, somebody's telling her what she can and cannot wear, what she can and cannot do on the court, whether or not it was appropriate to do a crip walk at Wimbledon. You know what I mean? Like, right. like who gives a shit about how somebody dances? And so yeah. this is the kind of shit she's been dealing with literally the entire time she's been a professional. And oh, so. Yeah. You know, she's heard plenty of N words. She's right. heard plenty of all this other stuff. I mean, ten literally ten days ago, we got the last major tournament. Is like, hey, you can't wear that, you know, compression suit again. I know you wore it for your health, but fuck you. <laughs> right. We don't like the way it looks. And right. So, and like, that's just such a tennis thing. And so, I ultimately come down on the fact that yes, yeah, Serena handled herself poorly, but, and I feel terrible for Osaka because that's not who that's who we should be talking about right. is how awesome she's been and, and how well she played. Mm-hmm. And this is now she, she needs to win another major because no one's ever remember this one. <laughs> this is the major that, that Serena lost or the, that, that um, screwed her out of. And she was losing anyway. Let's be clear. And I think that's probably the thing that sullies her argument the most is that she has a reputation for going off the rails in major, in major tournaments when the result she's is not losing. going her way. Yeah. Yeah. That's so, definitely happened in the past. But yes, but the ump, but the ump has to understand that he's responsible. Like everyone says, well, well, Serena's responsible for the sport and you know whatever, respecting the sport, respecting the game. But it's also up to the ump to respect the game too, and to understand what his role in this as well, because he could very. And well I don't think say, that this guy is that no, kind of ump. No, and yeah. I don't think he is either. And that's it's. This is definitely a uh, two wrongs don't make a don't make a right kind of a deal and uh yeah it's just too bad it made for good tv though it's it's riveting yeah and and <laughs> you know I mean, I, again i felt so bad for osaka during the the, the trophy presentation oh yeah they're booing and stuff it's yeah. just awful 
Like, it's her big moment. And, you know. But credit to Serena, in that moment, she's like, hey, hey, it's not about me anymore. Even though she'd already made it. In a, it's not <laughs> that's not necessarily her fault either, though, right? That's about the media and what they do with superstar athletes. It's going to sure. be about her as soon as it becomes news. Right. And that's not, I can't really blame her for that. And then she yeah. said she said her piece at the podium afterwards. And then or, or, on the dais, I guess, rather. Yeah. Um, afterwards. And then had nothing but complimentary things to say about her opponent. So right. Serena right. acquitted herself well in the aftermath. And I think she has a point in that. You know, I mean, again, looking into it, because I was curious, like, how, how often does this kind of shit happen? And I came across uh, an event that I totally forgot, which was the 99 Hingis Graf final in the French. Okay. Uh, where Hingis, like, crossed the court to point out a ball mark on the, like, which is actually a code, like, a, another written code violation. Uh-huh. Doesn't get penalized. Yeah. Until she continues to argue. Like, so, right. she, you talk about letter of the law, and clearly it's not always enforced the same way. And so, I tend to fall on the side of Serena because, one, this guy is up show city. And two, Serena's taken so much shit like this for so long, and this is just another example. My argument was the first two, the first two pieces were completely legit. The first one was a legitimate warning for coaching, and the second one, he had no choice but to give her a point penalty for smashing that racket. Believe me, Serena knows just as well as this ump knows that the next violation is going to cost her a game, and she would not let it go. She was going to have, she was going to, she was, she was going to break him. If it wasn't then, it was the next changeover or whatever. But she was, she was getting this game penalty, <laughs> regardless. She does make the she does make a valid point though that other players have done worse and received less penalty. Yeah, no. Well, the thing is, a lot of people have done worse, but they weren't carrying two penalties into it. And they got their and they got their point they got their warnings and they got their point penalties. John McEnroe got thrown out of the Australian Open in whatever nineteen ninety five or whatever whatever it was. I think was. it was nineteen ninety. Nineteen ninety, whatever the. But I mean, it's just it happens to people. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're the 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 unruly don't go unpunished. You know, widely. Mm-hmm. But but they're just not carrying two two penalties. They're not carrying two violations into this argument. So anyway. Again, but but you know he did wrong. He did her dirty because he waited until she was done and turned yeah, around, and was walking no. away, and then it was like, <laughs> he, he definitely. Oh, now I'm going to hit the trigger. Here's right. the button. <laughs> anyway, I don't know. It's a it's it's a complex it's a complex sports discussion because it's it is it's layered with a lot of things. The sport, the people involved, um, you know, gender things. Well, and then where we're know. at as a society dealing with that right now too. Yeah, it's so all it's, it's all it's all part of it. It's it's just made it's it's just it's just built for it's just built for sports. But the first really. thing it reminded me of was when an, a player has complained lightly to an umpire about balls and strikes earlier in the game, uh-huh. and then gets rung up on a shitty called third strike, and does the sort of disbelieving lean back, but never actually even looks at the umpire, like just like you know the body language of. <laughs> Oh, some bullshit. And the umpire it throws him out, like, for that. It's like, it's, come on. That's about your ego at that point. Yeah, right. Yeah. And that's what I felt about this, too. Is that, yeah, Serena handled it poorly, but it, it resulted in these in the circumstances because of that guy's ego. Don't show me up. Get over yourself. <laughs> Respect my authority. <laughs> you don't want to be shown up, do a better job. <laughs> All right. Cruising right into the OT. Talking to, I'm going to talk about my kid. Let's so okay. So, so my son goes to school. He's got plenty of friends. He's got plenty of friends. But there's no. He's not a homeschooled weirdo. 
He's not a homeschooler. <laughs> you don't. You don't. If you're homeschooled, that doesn't make you weird. Well, that's true. <laughs> it makes not, your par- It makes your parents weird. I, 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 correla- <laughs> correlation, not causation. All right. <laughs> but you know, he's got a lot of friends, and you know, there's just a there's a young boy in his class that I think is vying for his attention, like wants to be his friend, but is just like like turned up to eleven all the time. Yeah, right. In his in his ear. In, in his, his ear, face. in his face, all the time, and my son's just trying to, trying to, trying to hold him off a little bit. Now, when I was a kid, and we were in grade school, and there were kids like that, <laughs> we we did not treat them well. No, you know, yeah. we did not. It was it was a matter of fact that if you were one of those kids, and if and if you're listening, like I've been, you know, I've probably been on both sides of this argument. Like, mm-hmm. you know, wanted to be part of a certain crowd and maybe mm-hmm. tried a little too hard. Or somebody wanted to be into my crowd and I didn't want them around. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so was mean to, have been mean to others. And, this is, and it's funny that, that it's, 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 hard to, it's hard to navigate this in this day and age. Because, you know, back when, I, when we were kids, like, for the most part, the adults stayed out of this business. Mm-hmm. And... What I'm noticing in this day and age is that parents and adults are way into this business, <laughs> and I'm and I'm having a little trouble because I'm I'm a little bewildered. I'm just like, why? Why don't we just let the kids settle it? If my son doesn't want to hang out with this other kid, he should just not. He should I think you tell- should specify why you like. What do you mean when you say parents are involved? Like, <laughs> well, people are emailing me, so. <laughs> Like so, I can't so we, imagine getting this email. Did you write back? Uh, kind, yeah, kinda, yes. But but <laughs> did what, you write no? Fuck off. No. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think I'm trying to be. I'm trying to make the best of this, but it's weird because, you know, I grew up in a small town, so you kind of know most people, at least yeah. especially your neighbors. Yeah, yeah. And so, especially at the elementary school level you pretty much knew the parents and I don't know, yeah. I don't know this, this young man's parents and, but I get an email about it. Unsolicited. Like, <laughs> unsolicited email. And it's just weird. It's like, cause my, you know what my dad would have said if somebody, somebody would have sent my dad, <laughs> I can't imagine what my dad would have said if someone called and said, you know, your son was at school and my son wants to be his friend and, and, uh, and Chris doesn't want to be his friend. <laughs> My dad would be like, "Why? Are you, what are we talking about?" And he would probably just hang up. He'd yeah, like, he's like, "What are you talking about?" It's like, I don't. It's not that I don't get it because I think I do, in a weird way. But I just don't know. It's just so foreign to me. It's just such a modern problem. Oh, for sure. It's it's absolutely a thing that wouldn't exist without the internet. Because if she, if this woman had to call you, one, she wouldn't. Yeah. And two, you would do that. You'd be like, wait, what? And then she'd explain to you again. And you'd be like, so you're calling me because my son, he's not hurting your son or doing anything to him. He's simply not giving him the attention that he seeks. Right. He just doesn't want to be his friend. Yeah. And then once you'd summarized it, all you would say is, don't ever call me about this again. (laughs) (laughs) And that would be the end of it. Right. Like it would really just go away. No, but um, but but the but the modern but the modern sort of school system is we're all friends. We're right. all we all get along. And believe me, I'll tell you what, we weren't all friends when I was a kid. 
No. There was, a, there was some kids, if you looked at Crossways, would beat your ass. Yes. And those kids, we avoided like the fucking plague. Yes. Because we knew. Because we knew those guys were not our friends. <laughs> Yeah, and you needed your group of, of of little dudes to be like six deep, so that the the group of three bullies couldn't beat you up together. As long as you're right. all together, right? Exactly, and that's the and and I understand the need for friends, and I and I'm and I'm absolutely, I'm absolutely sympathetic to the fact that that this kid could probably use some friends, right? But but I don't feel like I could legislate to my child that you need to be his friend. Like, that's not just, it's something that just won't come out of my mouth. I just can't say it. Mm-hmm. I think, I think what, what came out of my mouth was you need to respect him. You need to not be mean to him. Mm-hmm. But if you need to ask for space, you should absolutely ask for space. And if he can't grant you that space, you need to have an adult, a teacher, help you, help you manage this. Yeah, it's really unfortunate. It's probably a good experience for him, though, because he's got to mature real fast to handle it, right? Because he's got to be able to handle it sort of dispassionately. But he's a kid. I know. It's impossible. You can't can't expect a kid who's eight or nine years old to be able to manage a social situation like this effectively. No, they just ignore each other until they drive, until one of them loses their mind. Right. right. Yeah. (laughs) Until one of them loses their mind and does something crazy. Right. Like, pushes them down. Right. Like, Like, God forbid... God forbid in the next week that this kid's sort of chirping at Aston and Aston just turns and shoves him down. Like, well, I, I mean, if that, if that happens, I don't know what's, I don't know what's going to, you know what I mean? That's, I mean, this is my fear in this whole thing is that he just turns and pushes him and pushes him away or the kid trips or he, or he says, fuck off. I don't know. I mean, or the, the elementary school equivalent of that, which probably right. isn't that. It might have been when I was in fourth grade. <laughs> Pretty sure it was. <laughs> Pretty sure it was. My memory <laughs> says it was definitely fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> but that's the, but I guess I just, I'm doing everything I can to manage it in a way that, that he doesn't say something horrible or do something aggressive. You know, ultimately it's this, it's his mother's fault for bringing it to <laughs> your door, for bringing it to your doorstep. Right. I have a daughter. She got pushed down in a mud puddle in kindergarten last year by three boys. She came home. This is what happened. And we told the teacher and I said, I need you to make sure. All we said was, hey, do you have any more information? So when I talked to the teacher, she said, I didn't hear the story this way. Your daughter had said that things happened in this way. And she said she had just fallen down or whatever. Not that she had been pushed into the mud by these boys. Um, But she said she'd look into it and she understood how serious it was that, you know, they might have put their hands on her. It never once occurred to me that I was going to be like, calling up their parents to talk about it. Now, if it happened again, yeah, then, yes, then we're going to have a problem. Yeah. We're gonna <laughs> <laughs> right. But kids are going to make mistakes as they sort of... So as long as, the, as long as the people in charge over there are making good decisions about, you know, follow-up action, then okay, right. I'm fine with it. Right. But, I mean, that, I mean that's, <laughs> that's, that's a terrible thing. I mean, we got we to gotta call... Um, we got <laughs> last year um, on the on the other end. There was a young lady whose um, whose name rhymes with banana. Okay, I don't know. So my son and his friend were talking about something, and the word banana came up. And this girl whipped around and sort of shot them a dirty look, which uh-huh. made them laugh. And of course, yeah. 
blood's in the water now, yeah. right? Yeah. The the blood's in the water now, and it was became this this essentially this torrent of the word banana, which upset <laughs> this young lady a lot, a lot to the point where we had to get we had to get <laughs> emails from the principal and the teacher, like your your sons are were harassing this young lady and this and that and and of course I had to talk to him. It's like, so what's going on? I said, Well well she scowled you know, she basically basically said, We just said the word banana and she scowled at us and we started laughing and she got upset and then we kept saying banana. I was like <laughs> <laughs> Like, okay buddy. It's like all right, you can't tease you can't tease other people. You know, you have to yeah. go through all the through all the things, but it's like banana you know yeah. <laughs> it's like what? Who it's cares? Like, but I get I get I mean it's ultimately I don't know, hopefully it didn't scar this I I try to be I try to be thoughtful about both sides of these stories because this girl may have gone home and cried that these boys were teasing her about her name or whatever. And and I don't want my son to do that, but it's also objectively kind of a funny story about, about banana i don't know so i don't know it's 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 one of those it's one of those uh oh, parenting things that that i just i just don't i don't want to I, I don't want to answer this email i just don't want to deal with it in in that way i mean i want to handle my my son's business and i don't want to handle yeah. her son's business like, and I think handle- that's probably all you can say, right? It's just uh, we teach our son to be respectful, and if you if your son feels that in some way he's, I don't know what you'd say. I honestly, it's again, it's this woman's problem for bringing it to you. It shouldn't be in your <laughs> inbox. <laughs> but the, I just, yeah, it, from my from my perspective, I would I would like to say, okay, what's the deal? Let me let me. I'm going to tell my son. I'm going to handle his. I'm going to handle my business. You handle your son's business. Right. That's like we don't need to meet as a group. I guess you're right back that the fact that to, you would write this email indicates to me where the problem starts <laughs> and ends. I don't think we need to meet as a group to get our boys to work this through is basically what I'm saying. I don't I just don't it's like, hey, if your son feels like my son's a problem, he should avoid my son. Yeah. But he doesn't want to avoid my son. That's the problem. Well, and that and that's what I'm saying is it it's yeah. really it it boils down to the fact that if she's willing to do this for him about this, she's probably been doing shit like this his whole life so i have to so i have to tell my son like this kid's lava dude all right yeah let me explain it in a way that you'll understand he is lava that's it Just... i also want to make it crystal clear to our listeners that after defending serena that i'm not in any way impugning this this child's mother because she's a woman if it was her father that had written his father that had written the email i'd be <laughs> saying the exact same thing <laughs> right. i only am using the, the female pronouns because it, we are referring to an actual person <laughs> i want to be crystal clear about that Fair enough. Fair enough. Anyway, so well, at least the, the, I can't imagine. I don't think I'd be able to deal. I don't think I have the tools to deal with what you're talking about. I think I'm gonna be like, you need to get out of my face with this. I'm having to. Di- I'm having to discover new skills <laughs> in order to get through this, and that's the, uh, and that's just sort of the the long and short of it. A couple exactly. of weeks ago, the four year old we went to pick her up, and the teacher's like, hey, uh, so I need to tell you something. Oh, okay, what's going on? Well, your daughter called this other girl an asshole today in class. <laughs> <laughs> I know where she learned that word. <laughs> 100% my fault. I'm not even going to deny it. I'm not even going to pretend that it's not my fault. It's totally my fault because I've absolutely called both of my children assholes to their face more than once. I've stopped now. <laughs> that is, 
this is sign one that I should stop using that word casually. But, you know, at the same time, she used it appropriately and in context, and the other kid was being an asshole. So, you know, everybody had a little chuckle, and I had a little discussion about, uh, as we've discussed in the past, words you can hear but cannot say. Yes. Um, <laughs> and that you, you know, need to not be calling people names at school, particularly the certain words that you know are going to get you in trouble. Exactly. Exactly. And uh, then I, it's a r- nice reminder for me to curb my own right. language issues. Don't. Don't don't use curse words in public. Well, if you need an mediator around adults, if you, if, you, if you need a mediator for your elementary school dispute, I volunteer. How come? Tell, <laughs> <laughs> I will happily write an email to that woman and says, "So Chris told me what happened. Why don't you go to hell?" <laughs> I don't think we're going there yet. <laughs> well, I hope you're able to. Get this woman off your back and gently suggest that perhaps the fact that she's willing to do something like this might be an indicative right. reason. And I'm not, and I'm, and I'm not absolving my, my son of any of this. I mean, he could very well be stirring the pot a little bit and just whatever. But Yeah, maybe he's being a prick. You don't know. Maybe. <laughs> he could be. And if he is, I'll handle, I'll handle my business. Right. You know what I'm saying? As soon as it becomes evident to me and the evidence points that he's the jerk, I will handle it. But that's the problem, right? Is that no matter what in that dynamic, if somebody wants to be, you know, in someone's orbit and that the, the, the subject of the affection is not allowing it, that's going to feel like they're being wronged. That's just how that feels to people. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so, yeah, it's going to be an interesting discussion where you're going to be like, oh, it's, you know, it's good for kids to learn about disappointment. <laughs> <laughs> uh, unfortunately, I feel like it's going to be me in a room with, again, all women. And not, mm-hmm. again, this is the, the dynamic. It's just, you know, it's going to be me and a mom and a principal and a teacher and my wife. And I feel like it's just going to be me and a, and a room full of women. And I just hope I don't say the thing that I think I, I think the control rods are on pretty well for me. So I think I'll I think I'll be able to navigate it. But yeah, you're gonna want to say be... some stuff like because oh because women are so well known for being so inclusive with their <laughs> friendships. But but my, but my internal monologue is gonna be going berserk. Right. Yeah. It's there'll be follow up on this. Lots of big eyes and big and eyebrows up and and mouth shut. <laughs> Head nodding. Mm-hmm, 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 okay. It's gonna be mm-hmm. all right. Follow up on this some sometime down the road. All right. All right, everybody. Thank you so much for listening to Two on Three podcast. I thought you were going to run with it. No. I'm handing it <laughs> off. This is the handoff. That was the handoff that was an ellipsis? Uh-huh. All right. Start again. All right. Thank you, everybody, for listening to the Two on Three podcast. We appreciate your ears each and every week, and we love that you click the download button as frequently as you do. Um, we always love your interactions on Twitter, so hit us up in those spots. Uh, we also love your suggestions for topics, or if you want to jump on the show with us, you got some hot takes to deliver, you want to defend Serena or talk about the Ump Show, or tell us some stories about your kids being assholes at school or calling other people assholes at school. We're here to listen. So thanks again. We'll see you next week, and until then, peace. peace.